Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. The Last Kids on Earth and their superhero alter egos are back in the latest installment of the graphic novel spinoff series, The Last Comics on Earth, Too Many Villains. Jack, June, Quint, and Dirk face their biggest challenge yet, creating the sequel to their hit graphic novel in a mad dash, puzzle-filled race across Apocalyptia to stop the biggest evil plan in history. Hey, you know what the creators of Last Comics on Earth's evil plan is? Make me and my kids love these books. Seriously, my younger kid is a huge fan of both the Last Kid series and the Last Comic series. It's true. And now I'm hooked too. The whole team has created a delightful cast of characters with some fantastic kid-friendly art throughout that will appeal to readers of all ages. Buy your copy of The Last Comics on Earth in stores today. You can also visit lastkidsonearth.com to learn more. Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Pete. And that's our band, the Booth Booth Man Prime. Now, we don't normally like doing plugs right here at the top of the that's show. Right. Not like normally, keep... although we've done it a bunch. No, no, no. But we like it. We focus on the art of the show over that's the right. business, I that's, think. Yeah, yeah. However, we're our... very art driven. <laughs> yes. Earlier today, I took one of Pete's Subway sandwiches and I duct taped it to a wall. <laughs> <laughs> and then I came by and ate it. Yeah. Yeah. Art. Hey, Art. Uh, the, our third co-host, Justin, though, is mm-hmm. not here. He is down for his day job. He works for Jesus Marrow. He's down in New Orleans right now uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, on a shoot for a couple of days, so he couldn't be here for the show. Uh, but he is actually, he went to the restaurant of one of the people on our Patreon Slack, patreon.com slash comic book club. Brett Macris. Yeah, Brett Macris. And he uh, had dinner or lunch with one of the other Slack members, which is very cool. That's so pretty Slack cool. Bringing us together. So you could join our Slack for only $2 a month. <laughs> And Justin will come to your city and have dinner for you for only $2. For only $2, Justin will show up and eat whatever food you prepare. It doesn't matter what it is. Absolutely anything. Pete, what are you going to do for $2? Oh, geez. Uh, Thanks for putting me on the... I'll uh, drink whatever beer you make. (laughs) Uh, Cool. How about you? What would you do for $2? For $2, I will provide you entry to our Patreon Slack. (laughs) Nice. You'll also bring it back around. Hey, anytime, anytime. I'm all about the art and the business. (laughs) Now, here's a little man who is ready. (laughs) I should call him a little man. Why are you calling him a little man? That was weird. (laughs) I don't know. He's not little. (laughs) He's not. He's also not huge. He's a normal size. (laughs) He's a regulation size dude. <laughs> I think he's taller than you are. You calling him little is weird. <laughs> it is. I'm very sorry. He is the creator of <laughs> Yakuza Demon Killers. Ladies and gentlemen, Amit Chahan. Hello. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Oh, no. What happened? <laughs> Yo, just stand next to him so I can show, like. Yeah, no, no, no. See, this is what I'm saying. Yeah, he is taller than you. He is taller than me. I'm even wearing very thick shoes. He is taller than me. I'm sorry. I don't know what happened there. That was a wonderful introduction. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much for coming on the show. We're excited to have you here. Uh, There's a bunch of different projects we can talk about from you, but... You started off, I believe, winning the Top Cow Talent Contest. Is that right? Yes, I did indeed. Nice. Uh, A few years ago now, uh, I entered, and like most talent hunt contests, I thought, you're never going to hear back from them. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of entered with a buddy of mine, and uh, yeah, we we won, which was kind of crazy. Well, uh, let's take it back, though. So you... uh, 
I, I've definitely read what was involved back in the day, but I yeah. don't I don't remember, and I'm sure the most of the audience doesn't remember. Right. What was involved? What did you actually need to submit to Top Cow? So basically, just to give an overview of the Top Cow Talent Hunt, if you don't know what it is, it's a event they hold every year that it's supposed to bring new voices, uh, unpublished voices, to the comic book industry. So normally you win or you come a runner-up and you get a story published by Top Cow. So every year it's different. So they'll ask you to write a story in a different part of the universe because they own Witchblade and et cetera and all these sort of properties. So our year it was Artifacts. Mm-hmm. But the issue nice. was with it was we were hitting, the, when we found out about it, like all great comic book creators was very last minute. <laughs> so <laughs> we had like all this stuff to read about Witchblade and Witchblade is and the Artifacts universe has been around forever. Yeah. And it's, so, it's like tombs of comic books. So we looked at it and we did what, again, most pros do and skim read everything <laughs> we could. And then the guy I won with, Eli Powell, is a phenomenal artist. If you get a chance, check him out on Instagram, etc. Uh, he's got a kind of like Sean Gordon Murphy kind of style to him, very uh, edgy inks. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, to fit his art, we kind of came up with our own story, which I told you, in the instructions not to do. So we were just kind of like, the only way we're going to win this is to come up with our own style and just see what happens. So we, we, they asked for five pages. We did 12 and we just came up with our own story. And apparently when I spoke to the editor, uh, after we'd won, he said like, as soon as it came to the inbox, he basically stood up in the office and said, we've got the winner. Wow. Wow. Which is really cool. So there you go. Ignore all the rules. All the rules. That's why whenever I do uh, the New York Marathon, I just hop in a car and I cut to oh. the end. Mm-hmm. And That's I the only way to do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so you got this, uh, and then they published it. Yep. it Top Cow published it. Yep. It came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that point, what was the process like? You, you submitted it. How, what was the feedback? Was it normal comic book editing? Was there anything special because it was a talent contest? Um, so every time you work with editorial, they have a ton of books they're working on and they're basically spinning plates working on stuff so everyone's overworked that you're working with it's normally a small editorial department so we were treated now knowing later we were treated like everyone else was treated we were expected to be on time they told us exactly what they needed 22 page book on time uh to get it to the colorist letter etc they gave us the dates and we submit it on time and everything. And we got feedback like you do. And you've got to take feedback like a champ. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not great. So like, when it's not great, you've just got to take it on the chin and be, you know, make it better. Uh, and, yeah, we went through the process. And it was a great process. We worked with uh, Ryan Cady, who's now a writer uh, over there. He's done Infinite Dark at Top Cow. And he was great to work with. And, uh yeah, it, it was stressful at times like anything because you're working with deadlines. I was actually, while we were writing it, I was on my honeymoon in Japan. Wow. So, wow. Yeah, so I was sending stuff back and forth from Japan. And he was like, you're sending stuff at like, really weird times in the morning. I was like, yeah, I'm on my honeymoon. <laughs> He's like, dude, you should have told me. You wouldn't have been hassling you. I was like, no, I need, you know, it's not your fault. I'm on yeah, my This is the most important thing into my world. <laughs> <laughs> Looks at wife. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, honey. <laughs> uh, well, at this point, so the book came out. What was the response like? Did it open doors? Did it feel like you just had to work doubly hard now? What What was the runoff? Also, of what was it like just like seeing your book on the shelf? Oh, sure. That was, I think seeing the book on the shelf was wild. And going in to do uh, Midtown Comics, and I bought four copies. Yeah. Because, you know, that's what you do when you've got a book out. You go and sure. buy a few copies for your yeah. friends and family. And the guy said to me, sorry, it's two per customer on this book. And I was oh. like, does it matter if I wrote it? And he was like, you wrote it? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Again, so, breaking all the rules. Uh, again, again. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no. Uh, uh, sorry, what was your question? Uh, no, just so the book came out. Yeah, yeah. Pete did a good job of actually hitting the thing in the middle. But uh, the book came out. After that, did that end up opening doors for you? Did you end up getting meetings? or? Uh, it really did. Um, it's kind of like a weird thing in comics that even... For a writer especially, because artists, everyone wants a great artist. Like, it's, you know, artists have the hardest job and the easiest job. The hardest bit is that you've got to crank out 22 pages of inks or pencils. Now, both for most artists, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. Uh, But at the same time, all they have to do is show you one page of portfolio and you know if they're good or not, you know? That one sequential page or two sequential pages. For a writer, you can't just plop down a script and be like, hey, check this out, I'm pretty good. <laughs> it, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit more difficult. But 
getting that book out there really does open the doors. But at the same time, you're always pitching. You're like every book you put out, you might have had four or five uh, other books that just, you know, disappeared in the ether. So you're constantly pitching, constantly trying to keep yourself relevant. And that, that's the biggest struggle in comics is just constantly having a, a thick skin. So, you know, just uh, to get your books out there. So at that point, though, the, you did write another comic book Absolutely. that just wrapped up, Yakuza mm-hmm. Demon Killers. Absolutely. Uh, I think folks can probably figure out what the concept is for the title, but do you want to lay out the pitch anyway? Well, and that's why, you know, when I pitched it to IDW, they were like, the title tells us everything. I was like, all right, great. Well, that's, that yeah, no need to great. write it. Exactly. So uh, basically, Yakuza Demon Killers follows uh, two thieves as they go on a heist in Tokyo, for an antique sword, but when they get to the museum that holds this antique sword, it isn't all it appears to be, and they get stuck in between, uh, for, in a battle, uh, in between two groups of Yakuza and a group of interdimensional invading demons. Wow. I really enjoy this book. I think it's a lot of fun. It definitely works in a lot of tropes, like you have the total fuck-up in the middle who has to step up and fight all of these different forces. Um, this might be more of a question for the artist, but maybe you worked on it together. Yeah. What was it like designing all of these demons for the book? What went into that in particular? So it's kind of like when I was chatting to Eli about it, the high concept for me was it was Snatch meets Hellraiser. Mm-hmm. So he loved Hellraiser. I love Hellraiser. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when he started designing the demons, he kind of uh, he picked that and some of the like, uh, inspiration from the old Resident Evil games nice. and things like that because nice. we wanted it to look grotesque. Um, you know, demons sometimes, if you're doing fantasy, it's great, them kind of looking humanoid looking, but we wanted a bit more edge to them. And Eli really brought that out. Like some of the designs he did f- were insane, absolutely insane. So just beautiful. And the colorist did, does a wonderful job in really making them pop, you know? Yeah, and this was a five-issue series. It's right? a five-issue series, and yeah. you did this over the. You wrote it over the course of your next five honeymoons. Is that yeah. how? It well, <laughs> yeah. Actually, all the uh, photo reference for that book was taken on honeymoon. So my wife was <laughs> absolutely amazing, and we spent. You know, I spent a day in the Tokyo <laughs> National Museum making sure. At the start of the book, there's a scene where they're going through to find the sword. So if you're in the Tokyo National Museum and you walk the way they walk, you'll find the case. And, I mean, no one cares, but that was pretty cool to me, you know? So. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, going from a talent contest where you turn a 22-page book to writing a five-issue series, yeah. what were the challenges there? Um, as a writer, especially creator-owned books, you think that you're only dealing with your own deadlines, but you're really a project manager for the entire uh, uh, process. So you've got the editor that will look over bits and pieces and just check in here and there to make sure you're hitting your deadlines. But otherwise, you know, I've got to speak to, I've got to wrangle the colorist, I've got to wrangle the letterer, I've got to like keep the artist going because at the start, everyone's really all peppy and like, oh, this is amazing, we got green lit, and oh yeah, this is great. And then by issue three, issue four, everyone's like tired of it and waiting, looking for the next book, you know? Oh, wow. Because no one, like, the thing is, is that Anything you're doing, if you're doing it nonstop every day, it gets so grinding. Even writing, there was points in the last issue where I've got writer's block, but the deadlines have increasingly got shorter and shorter and shorter, and you're just trying to get there. So that's kind of, that's the thing that you had to get used to, and it wasn't something I was used to. So actually being on time, getting it all done, I always thought that after doing it, I respect anyone that makes comics, because any comic that makes it to the shelf is a minor miracle. Yeah. Wow. Uh, now that it, that is done, though, do you have other projects lined up, other things you're working on? I do. I have a fantasy book coming out next year, but unfortunately it hasn't been announced yet. But it's, uh, it's, been, uh, it's a bit more lighthearted. Um, but, yeah, I can't really talk too then much Yakuza about it. Then Yakuza Demon Killers? Oh, you know, anything <laughs> could be more lighthearted than yeah, that. Exactly. You know. <laughs> uh, well, that's great. Where can people check out more info on all of your books? Absolutely. Uh, you can check me out on Twitter. It's Sequential Story on Twitter. Or uh, you could just look on Amazon and they've got or Comixology and Yakuza Demon Killers or 13th Artifact, which was my book through Top Cow. All right, there we go. Yes. Definitely check out all of that. We're going to move on to our next section, which we like to call the stack. Yeah. Hooray. Love to call it that, Pete. Yeah. I really enjoy that. In the stack, we're going to talk about a couple of books that came out this week, kicking it off with Daredevil, 
Number 14. Now, Daredevil, I'll pass it over to you if you want to take a look. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Daredevil is in Hell's Kitchen. He is no longer Daredevil. He's yeah. given it up. He just wears a lot of black now. Which is a thing that the people in Hell's Kitchen do. Yep. Uh, he <laughs> it's a very in-style thing to do. Yeah, he has been teaming up with this cop who hates him, who was basically trying to track him down and shut him down mm-hmm. uh, because he was... I, I forget at this point, he was either framed or actually killed a cop, I think. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Okay, great. Wrong person to ask. Uh, <laughs> on the other end of the spectrum, the thing that I'm actually really loving about this book, even more than the Daredevil stuff, is we're also following Kingpin, who is now the mayor of New York, yeah. and he is trying to go legitimate and finding that the legitimate businessmen are actually worse than the gangsters yeah. that he was dealing yeah, with. Yeah, and he's also uh, trying to legalize marijuana yeah. and uh, cash in on that because that's supposed to be, oh, that's just, that's just money. It just, it's just so easy to do. So, like, it was crazy that, it, like, he's struggling. Like, he is such a natural, like, criminal, and, you know, it doesn't seem, but, like, to see him, like, struggle like this, like, he's calling out sick, like, it's it's very interesting. Yeah. It's really interesting to see, like, not only is Daredevil struggling with he, who he is, but also Kingpin. Um, if you would have said to me, oh, like, Daredevil's amazing, Daredevil's not Daredevil, and Kingpin's not Kingpin, I'd been like, fuck you, that book sucks. But, like, it's really interesting to see uh, how this is all unfolding and what's going on with these characters. Now, as a marijuana aficionado yourself, Pete, <laughs> uh, do you support the Kingpin? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm pro-Kingpin in this comic. Yeah, <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, interesting I, don't, I don't think we should be harassed. By the police for enjoying the Chiba. Oh, okay. Well, that was a trick because uh, Kingpin's the bad guy, so fuck oh, you. Uh, <laughs> did you check this out? Any, any thoughts on this? Uh, I did. I'm very interested for issue 15 when he has to deal with Jeff Bezos and the development of the Amazon HQ. Ooh. <laughs> really, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's the great thing about Marvel Comics. Very current uh, because they release them as they happen. Um, all right, let's move on talk about Die number... Ten. Ten. Thank you. They do a good job of hiding the number in there from Image Comics. Pass that over to you as well. Now, in Die, this takes place in a fantasy world where a bunch of folks had played and made up a fantasy game or thought they made up a fantasy game uh, back in the day, back when they were teenagers. They ended up in that world in real life. Some horrible things happened to them. They came out, and then 20-ish years later, they're sucked back into that world, and we're exploring that world as we go. But really, it's sort of a Trojan horse book where Kieran Gillen, the author, is talking about the tropes of fantasy, the ideas of fantasy as he goes and weaving them together. Also, it's a warning that if you play role-playing games and create these worlds, these worlds will come and get you. And drag you back into them. So don't do it. Yeah. It's a good thing that that wasn't a real thing that people thought back in the 80s yeah, and uh, yeah. persecuted a bunch of people for that. Actually. Particularly yeah. marijuana aficionados. Oh. <laughs> Just saying, Pete. Yeah. Uh, no, but I mean, we were definitely, I mean, as a kid, I was told not to uh, play Dungeons and Dragons. Like it was evil. Like it Really? Was very, yeah. Huh. Yeah. They were just, uh, there was this like stigma or stigmata about, or like the fact Definitely that... Definitely not a stigmata. stigmata. Yeah, nope. you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, no, I had these two holes in my hands and my dad was like, you're playing fucking Dungeons and Dragons. I was like, no, how do you know that, dad? How do you know? And he's like, because you're not actually talking English, you're speaking in tongues. And yeah. Pete was like... Oh, blah, 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 blah. And then I ate a lot of pea soup and threw it up. Yeah. <laughs> the groan I loved it uh, But yeah uh, I just remember at, You know Like it was a big To do When I would go In the comic book shops And uh, people were playing Dungeons and Dragons There was a lot of like Interesting Yeah That must have been More of an upstate thing Than a downstate thing Okay Where right. I live right. On right. Long Fucking. Island Everybody was Real cool With the D&D Alright <laughs> It's that island life, you know. Yeah, exactly. Just yeah. chill it out. Yeah, uh, the Long Island, Island yeah, You don't want to know too much. Yeah, yeah too, <laughs> too much. much. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Aaron. <laughs> Thank you for cutting us Thanks off there. Thanks for checking there. it. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think about this book, Pete? Oh, this is 
it's really awesome to see the journey that they've gone on with this book and all the choices that the characters have had to make. And then the whole thing about like, okay, we did this. And then they got and kind of got pulled back into this world. I've been really impressed with each issue. The art alone is worth picking up this book. Uh, the character journeys have been so interesting in the twists and turns. Uh, it's really cool. Yeah, I agree. I'm really enjoying this book as well. This one is playing on vampire fantasy tropes. One of the things that it's tackling is the trope in fiction like Twilight and Buffy and etc., where you have a vampire who's in love with a teen girl, and it's also so sexy and interesting, except the vampire is hundreds of years old, and the teen girl is a teen girl. Yeah. And it's fascinating because these people have created this fantasy world so you have the vampire character in this issue saying but that's how you created me yeah you created me to be attracted to you and have sex with you and they're like i get that you were still taking advantage of me because you were older than me at the same time so it's it's very complicated in terms of how it's dealing with the characters and the fantasy tropes if you're interested in that sort of thing at all definitely check it out uh, the last one we're going to talk about, Lois Lane, number six from DC Comics. Pass it over your way. Are you a Lois Lane fan, Amit? Um, yeah, I suppose. Nice. As much as anyone in the DC universe, I suppose. Um, yeah, she's... Uh, that sounds like maybe you don't like the DC universe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I've always been a bit of a Marvel guy, but... Uh, mm-hmm. Super, I've got a soft spot for Superman and Lois Lane as, you know, someone without powers but is still willing to go into a burning building if she needs to. She's, yeah, she's cool. She's a badass. For yeah, she's sure. a badass, definitely. Yeah. Uh, now, this issue is running off of the recent event that was called Event Leviathan, where there was a uh, being who was coming out threatening to reveal all the secrets of the DC Universe, took out all of the spy organizations in the DC Universe, and in the process ended up killing Lois Lane's dad. We're dealing with the fallout of that here. As they go to his funeral, we get flashbacks to Lois Lane's relationship with her father throughout history. How'd you feel about it, Pete? This is some real powerful stuff. I loved it. Uh, I I really love what they're doing with the Lois Lane book. Um, yeah, and I, I you know, uh, relationships with your parents are complicated, and I really love the fact that they uh, took the time to give it this real rich backstory and and not just kind of make it like a, just a sad thing that, like, there's all this other layers of stuff and families and sisters and stuff. So I, I was, I'm really been impressed with this book and enjoying it, and art is also fantastic. I really like this issue as an issue. I think uh, Greg Rucka... Hold on, I'm getting to my point in a second. This issue uh, that is also an issue? No, no, no. I'm going to explain what I mean in a moment. Uh, so Greg Rucka writes it. Uh, Mike Perkins is on art. It's an absolutely lovely exploration of the relationship between Lois Lane and her father, as you mentioned. I don't understand having a crossover in the middle of a 12-issue maxi-series. That's weird to me. Well, there was this event that was already planned, so they were like, might as well... I get that, but if you're going to do an ongoing series and break into it, I understand, because there's a potentially infinite number of but issues to come. But it's happening at the same time, so you might as well, you know... If you're going to do a 12-issue maxi-series, to me, the implication is that this is a 12-issue story that you're telling. And so to have this thing that ties into other books come into the middle takes it out of that bubble and feels like a wrong move. Ooh. I'm just saying. I think I think it's good that they addressed what's happening and the fact that it affects this helps tie it in. Again, great single issue. I think that's very good. But um, I, I sort of wish there was this was its own thing existing in its own way. Okay. I think you're selfish. <laughs> Why can't you share Lois Lane with what's happening in the rest share of Share Lois D- Lane with the rest of the universe? With, say, yeah, with the rest of the DC universe. You're right. Yeah. I, you know what? The rest of the comic books talk to me and they're like, hey, Alex, yeah. can you just share Lois Lane a little bit? Oh, that's fucked up the way you're saying it. How did I say it? What are you uh, talking about? Uh, you're just getting on my ass now. <laughs> well, there's That's no Justin here, so. Oh, okay. Again, this happened the last time he wasn't here. There needs to be this buffer zone yep. between the two of us or things <laughs> get antagonistic really quickly. And that's it for the stack. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did it. <laughs> we, we, we made it through a lot. We stacked it up. 
We're going to move to our next section, which is my favorite section, because you all make it up. It's your audience questions. Woo-hoo! For that, I'm going to come out to you. You can ask a question for our amazing guest over here. You can ask a question for all of us. And Pete is going to give you some free comics. Ooh, bunch of hands yeah, up. There's oh some my new gosh. hands over here, too. Whoa. Go over the new hands over here. Uh, there's no new hands. There's yeah, only- yeah, look at those new hands over here. <laughs> yeah, new new hands. He's, he's been here before. He's I know, but I'm just saying, you know. Relatively new hands? Yeah. The freshest, the fresh, <laughs> hey, fresh hands, come on over come here. Come on, fresh hands. Come here, fresh Get hands. Get a mother hot. Yeah, what's your, what's your name, fresh hands? What's your question? Okay. Hello. Hey. My name is Mike, a.k.a. Fresh Hands. Yeah. Fresh hands. That's going to stick. <laughs> Follow Fresh Hands on Twitter. Scott, <laughs> the fresh um, takes. Uh, my question, um, involving your book, Yokuza Killers, um, uh, cur- uh, this has been crazy. Uh, you make a lot of references to games and everything. And I heard you've been to Japan. I've been there all. So great okay. place. I'm curious. Um, are any of your influences for the story, because it sounds similar to me, uh, from certain animes as well? Because I watch a lot of animes. So yeah. I recognize a lot of themes. Uh, which ones in particular did you use them from? Cool. Um, I hate to break to you. The only anime I watch uh, religiously is Dragon Ball Z. Nice. So, unfortunately, as far as taking uh, influence uh, from anime, I didn't really take any from Dragon Ball Z, but uh, it's mainly horror movies that we took influence for and uh, video games. Those are the two things, but it's, you know, mainly that type of stuff. Uh, Uh, Wait, just a follow-up. Yeah. Uh, What's your favorite Dragon Ball Z character? Oh, what's my favorite Dragon Ball Z character? That's a tough one. Yeah, um, it is. It would it'd probably have to be Vegeta. Oh, wow. It says a lot, dude. Does what does it, it say, Pete? Yeah. I don't <laughs> Wait, know. what's it say? I'm... Well, I mean, Vegeta's a bad guy. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, well, he, well, you know, he go, yeah, he's a good guy now. But it's, but it's it... a character that has grown as time. I really, I'm really a fan of the evolution of characters, and Vegeta is this perfect guy that is selfish to the core, yeah. but falls in love with Bulma and then has all these contradictions in himself because he wants to he wants to be better than Goku, but he wants to protect the Earth at the same time. And sometimes those two goals don't mesh well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what I like about this discussion is I understand now what it must feel like when a random comedy fan wanders into our <laughs> show. <laughs> like, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, Vegeta, like vegetables. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. What a uh, Dragon Ball Z character do you uh, identify? Piccolo. With? Piccolo's my Piccolo. dude. Yeah. Oh, that's the one you bought the little pixel guy. Of. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. We're at what a comic a book convention, and I got Pete a Piccolo a medallion that I used to rock for a while. Yeah, <laughs> it was real cool, you guys. <laughs> uh, cool. Hope that uh, answered your question. Saw a hand up here. What's your name? What's your question? My name is Kevin, and going off uh, the discussion of the Lois Lane issue, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there have been a lot of iconic, like standalone, you know, like side, you know, issues of titles, either ongoing or a series like this, that pull away from the ongoing story to tell, you know, something Mm self-contained. And what are some of your favorite uh, stories within those issues or just ones you find, you know, iconic? Cool, cool. Do you have a favorite standalone issue? (laughs) Any chance? Favorite standard with uh, containing Lois Lane. Oh, does it have to contain Lois Lane or just in general? Oh, any standalone. standalone. You know, there was it could a stand- be about Vegeta. There you go, Vegeta. Um, you son of a. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember the Spider-Man issue. It was so that's really bad for me. But there was a Mark Wade standalone which involved uh, Peter Parker uh, of an alternate Earth meeting uh, Miles Morales and Miles Morales. This is when Peter Parker died. And Miles Morales had to got the chance to meet Peter Parker again. And it was this beautiful one shot where, you know, they fight some bad guys, but then they sit on the pier and they talk. And it was just this beautiful conversation. It really showed, like, as comics, you know, we can have action and things like that. But what Marvel does really well, the, the interpersonal drama, it was just, just beautifully done. I think it added something to Miles Morales and added something to Peter's death. Having the character who's dead be able to talk about his death, it was just beautifully done. Mark Wade is 
an, a master. Yeah, Mark Wade is really good. I don't know if you've heard of Mark Wade, but not he's familiar. Really good. No, okay. is he another Dragon Ball Z character? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, okay. yeah, right, yeah. He came to life and started writing comics. <laughs> <laughs> That's we should be talking about that more. <laughs> Pete, do you have a favorite standalone issue? Um, I think it was like a two or three issue run, but it was like this fun. That's not a standalone. I'm issue. I'm aware, asshole. Okay. That's why I'm explaining it in the beginning. Uh, that. Um, because I'm blanking on a favorite standalone issue, but there was this thing where uh, Wolverine and Ben Grimm got depowered and they teamed up, and it was just cool to see them still uh, want to do the same things, but how they kind of like adjusted and uh, were still able to like fight crime and do stuff, but uh, without powers. And it was just kind of cool the way they kind of like relied on each other for stuff. And uh, yeah, I thought it was, you know, not as powerful as what he's talking about, but it was still pretty neat. Yeah. Uh, the one uh, that's bad answer. Uh, the, uh, oh, thanks. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you're yeah. a great host. You my, know that? My you're favorite one shot comic host. is uh, the entire run of super bad. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, this is another Spider-Man issue, but there was one in I think like the was late there a one shot? Was it just a one shot? It was just a one shot. <laughs> okay, just making sure. Thanks. Some Pete. of these, some people really that's important <laughs> to them. So people, it's important to answer the questions that are asked. I guess. Well, Pete. you know, sometimes we have to work hard to come up Jesus with something. Christ, what is happening right now? You know, it's just one just to come back from New Orleans. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> 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 Uh, there's, it was an issue in the run of Amazing Spider-Man, I believe. It, I think it was Amazing Spider-Man, uh, where there was a kid and he was being hit by his dad through an accident, gained disintegration powers, and he ends up accidentally disintegrating his dad when his dad goes to hit him Ooh. and runs away. Like, it's very realistic and horrifying. Oh uh, the kid runs away. Spider-Man tracks him down and finds out what's going on, ultimately gets some help. Uh, he never... He didn't show up again for, I think, like 20 or 30 years until somebody was like, oh, yeah, that character. I love that issue. But I read that over and over again because that, to me, was the first time that I read something so realistic that worked so well with superpowers at the time. Um, I have that issue somewhere like way up high in my closet. Um, so I don't know. Maybe somebody out there in the listening audience remembers what it is. But it's such a good one shot issue. So good. Wow, and it's man. just one issue as well out of the entire run, Pete. Is uh, things all right at home, man? Are you and your dad okay? Uh, all I'm saying <laughs> is I got these disintegration powers and I'm going to do something with them. Oh, sure. uh, Pablo, what's your name? What's your question? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, fresh hands to you. Uh, thanks for the honesty. Um, my favorite one shot is a recent one, which is Captain America and the Avengers and the that. Jerry Ordway one-shot story that came out recently. Okay. All right. Cool. cool. Thanks for sharing. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> um, there's, a, there's a recent, there's a recent like, uh, barrage of new, new trailers. I mean, what, what's your think of them? Ghostbusters, guys. Ghostbusters oh, Afterlife. That looks amazing. You like that? I, I loved it. I love that kind you of uh, like that? Steven Spielberg look to the whole thing. You know, it's got yeah. that like kids going adventure Goonies style, but you know, yeah. and the yeah. fact that he's following Egon and you know the actor passed away and looking through the remnants of his life, like it's so powerful. I think it could be great. I mean, it could be terrible, but I hope it's great. I do. I do have a lot of hope for it as well. Uh, yeah, they got grab that kid from Stranger Things, put him in it. Fantastic idea. I'm all about it. Uh, yeah, like a old school, but also like that swivel chair thing on Ecto One looked really badass. I'm excited. I want to see it be a little bit funnier because Ghostbusters is a comedy, and they were going for a very serious, reverential take on Ghostbusters, which really threw me. Well, they, you know, that's uh, that, I'm you just take, uh, you know you. You know, when you want to take something that you love, you can do those choices with it. You know, it doesn't have to be the exact same thing it was. I absolutely. But uh, Ghostbusters is a comedy supernatural franchise. And right. to see this take where it was, we're seeing the legacy and they're all coming back. And clearly somebody saw it and Stranger Things. And now here's <laughs> Ghostbusters, the movie. I was kind of like, all right, I get what you're going for here. But I want to see more jokes. You have Paul Rudd in the cast. Have some funny things happen. Finn Wolfhard is funny. And it felt like the way that they structured the trailer that they're hiding that part. Because they wanted to come out of the game yeah, and be maybe like, it's good. 
this is different. It totally might be hilarious. There's also the part of me that because there was the whole, uh, not even a whole uproar, because it was just an angry subsection of the audience from the 2016 Ghostbusters, which is like, how dare you put ladies in my Ghostbusters? Yeah, that's ridiculous. I, yeah, which was ludicrous, because that movie is great and hilarious. Uh, it felt also like they're like, now it's back with the guys. Don't worry, and it's serious like you wanted, which it never was in the first place. So it it kind of made me itch a little bit watching it, but at the same time, it looks like it's well shot. If it's a good movie, it doesn't matter. Uh, so all of those feelings roiling around at the same time. Good. But the question was about the barrage of trailers, and we're just focusing on one, so maybe we should... It was a barrage of one trailer. Yeah, Uh, yeah, so there's also uh, the Wonder Woman 1984 trailer came out. Did you check out that one? Uh, No, I haven't yet. But I don't know, the DC movies generally, since Suicide Squad, I just can't. Wow. Uh, Joker. I, I enjoyed Joker. Um, it was, you know, but <laughs> poor hot, oh, yeah. hot take, hot take. Yeah, I enjoyed Joker. Cool. Um, but I mean, there haven't been many great DC movies. It's just didn't, a shame. Didn't like Aquaman. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's fair. I deserve that. Yeah, I deserve that. You deserve a withering glare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I took a shot at Joker, you know, so I, you know. Sure. It's fair. Uh, it's I fair. thought Wonder Woman was very good. I really enjoyed Wonder Woman a lot. I mm-hmm. thought this looked like a blast from the trailer. We were talking about this a little bit earlier on our Patreon podcast, patreon.com slash comic book Yeah, club. plug that again. Again, I don't like I feel like the... you're hurting the cause at this point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if I was going to say, I'd be like, fuck it's, this guy. It's very, it's very much a teaser trailer so you don't really get a sense of the story of the movie but I like what I saw Chris Pine being back lots of fun he's great Um, the action looked ludicrous and amazing so if they can make it all work together I think that's good yeah I think the trailer did a good job of getting you excited for the movie Uh, 80s fun music over the top uh, kind of like style and it's you know you see a Wonder Woman and kind of a new kind of like golden eagle look so it was uh i'm very excited for it i thought the first one was good i cannot wait to see what they do with the second one yeah uh and then also in terms of trailers there was the trailer for marriage story that just hit netflix i assume that's That's what you're talking about not the trailer that's the movie was released (laughs) the movie it was a very long trailer yeah yeah so i was very confused (laughs) and i was like you're showing too much of the movie in this a james bond trailer almost also dropped yeah no Yep. Marriage story. Let's talk about that. (laughs) Uh, Yes, there was a James Bond uh, teaser. What did you think about that one, Pete? Great. Uh, Daniel Craig's probably the last ride. So, yeah, one more for the That's what they should have called it. Yeah. James Bond, Daniel Craig's last ride. Let's do it. (laughs) Woohoo. Uh, and I don't know if we talked about this on the show. I don't even remember when this came out any, anymore, but the Black Widow trailer came out as yeah, well. That's yeah. probably part of what you're talking about. What do you think about that? I'm very excited. Uh, there's a lot of great uh, Black Widow books, and it seems like they're doing some of the more popular uh, like origin story stuff. Very excited for that. The casting looks fantastic. I... Uh, I hope it's going to be great. She looks great for a corpse. That's all I have to say. Uh, Way to creep it up, Zalbs. Way to creep it up. Listen, it's part of the marriage story extended universe of films. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, Do we have other questions? You, sir, over there. What's your name? What's your question? Hi, I'm John. Um, And, uh, yeah, for your submission, they told you, you know, don't do, like, your own thing. Right. You wrote. 12 pages instead of five. Right. How much do you think that was influenced by, like, the British tradition, like the 2080 future shocks? Oh, yeah. Um, as opposed to the American, like, factory systems of, like, Marvel and DC of uh, very well-defined characters that you don't really have a lot of leeway with. Right. Um, I mean, I grew up reading 2000 AD. Uh, so, I mean, that's always been an influence uh, on me. Um, I think just our choice to do it was... When Eli was drawing it, he has a very uh, uh, energetic art style, and he, he's very cinematic. So, and he works really quickly. So, we were just like, "All right, we're, this." You kind of stop. It's like this is something that goes to pitches as well. You want to put your best foot forward, and then maybe your best foot forward is four pages, and that shows exactly what your book's about. Maybe it's 
six, maybe it's 10, maybe it's 12. Um, so for us, in that moment, we picked that 12 and we, you know, we sent that in. Um, and that encapsulated the story and gave the reader a good start-off point and a good jump-off point. And that's, that's kind of what we, what we plan to do. But yeah, you're pretty much on point as far as what my sensibilities are, uh, what I grew up reading. Um, but, you know, you take a bit from everything. Like growing up, we had all American comics on the stands and stuff and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, the, 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 uh, the American style of comic making influenced me just as much as uh, the English guys. So. Cool. Very cool. Uh, I think we can take one more question if anybody has one. One more question to you, sir. What's your name? What's your question? And how fresh are your hands? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I don't want to go to Rikers, okay, buddy? <laughs> okay? Okay. Actually, not so much a question, maybe a question, but a request. Ooh. Because I don't know if we're going to be here next week, and next week's like the last show, right? It's going to be end of the year. Right. Two more? Okay. Uh, but a moment of silence for a long-lost comic, for a comic venue that's gone, or that went, you know... That went that died earlier this year. I'm talking about St. Mars Comics. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you guys did it before, but could we have a moment of silence for St. Mars Comics? Yeah, definitely. All right, is that enough? Wow. <laughs> okay. Well, what did you uh, did we talk about that? So St. Mark's Comics is one of these storied New York uh, comic book shops. Mm -hmm. uh, did you ever go there? Did yep, you? I went there. Yeah. What, was, were, uh, what was your experience like? No, it's great. It's like any comic book store, right? It, you go in and it's that feel like everything's maybe a bit on top of you, but like you can rummage through books, back issues, and stuff. It was great. I, f I think um, we live in an era with two different styles of comic book store. One which is the mega store, and the other which is the mom and pop store. And I really, I really love the mom and pop store. I grew up with mom and pop stores. Like in London, where I lived, there was just this, like, you know, this, this one place we'd all go and pick up books, and they had the 20p section, and you'd go through it and all that sort of stuff, rummage around, see what you could get. So I really want those type of stores to thrive and continue. Uh, I don't want them to disappear. Pete, did you ever go there? Oh, yeah. I went there a bunch. Um, yeah, I do. I agree. Like, uh, it definitely is, you know, unfortunately in New York City, you're, you're losing a lot of the. Uh, you know the the smaller shops, the the ones with character, a lot of heart. Uh, you know, a lot of great bars are going under. A lot of great bookstores, a lot of comic book shops. It's it's upsetting. But and the porn theaters, where are the porn theaters, Pete? <laughs> <laughs> Times Square isn't like it used to be. Did you just wake up to, today and why say why I used be... to be able to go on the subway and get mugged like a normal person? <laughs> Who the fuck are you, man? <laughs> Holy shit. You are a man alive. I, you know, I just want to call your wife and make sure she's okay. Um, Don't do that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I loved uh, uh, St. Mark's because, uh, yeah, I, I was able to find a lot of back issue stuff that I'd been looking for for years. Um, they were super friendly, which was great. Sometimes you walk into a comic book shop and they judge you by what you're buying, by your knowledge, all that kind of stuff. And I fucking hate that. So uh, St. Mark's was always really cool to me uh, in that retrospect. And they had a, a great, great shop and a lot of great, uh, cool people who worked there. All right, there we go. A tribute did to St. Mark's comic. Did you ever... Uh, uh, yeah, I uh, I actually worked at NYU for a couple of years, so I was right down the block from there. So I would go there all the time, and they were always very rude to me. Holy shit! <laughs> I was hoping we I was hoping we could brush past that. Nope. Yeah, so there you go, man. That that's uh, I wish I could have worked there just to be rude to you. They've been great. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike here, where you're polite all the time. Yeah, that's right. At our, our day job, yeah. which is this show. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you for your questions. That's it for your audience questions. Yeah. And now we're going to go to our next section, which is trivia. For that, we're going to turn it over to Pete LePage. All right. Awesome. This is where we give back to you. I'm just taking a moment because Justin's not here, so this is great. Uh, give back to you the lovely God, audience. Just a moment for the star uh, of trivia. 
couldn't give me one. Just fucking one time. One time. You're drawing the light, Pete. Oh, my God. What a fucking asshole you are. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you. Um, So uh, this is the part we give back to the lovely audience. It's an opportunity to win $25 free dollars in the form of a gift card to Midtown Comics. Because if you had 25 bucks, you'd go to a comic book shop. Who would like 25 free dollars? Simple raising of the hand. Simple raising of the hand. Maybe a fresh, fresh take. Fresh hand. There's a hand right back there. All right, yeah, you, sir. Come on down. All right. Here we go. Hey, my name's Sean. My name's Sean. Hey, thanks, Sean. Uh, Sean, audience, audience, Sean. You're going to be rooting for Sean in this here. Um, so, Sean, I'm going to read you a question. Listen to all three possible answers. Get all three questions right. $25 yours. Today's trivia is on topical comic news. Okay, so question number one. The Chew comic from Image is coming back in a three-part crossover called blank. Is it A, Outer Darkness, B, Chew Fast, Chew Furious, or is it C, Mandy Moore? So it's either A, which is the only one that makes sense. It's definitely A. Definitely. A is correct. Outer Darkness. I'm very excited to see Chew back. Question number two. Scotty Young and Umberto Ramos are teaming up on what new Marvel title? Is it A, Spider-Ham, B, Strange Academy, or is it C, Mindy Kaling? So it's either A... Uh, Strange Academy. That is correct. Strange Academy. Uh, That's going to be fantastic. I'm looking forward to that. Here we go. Last one. Birds of Prey is getting a giant first issue on January 22nd. Who will be returning for the special event? Is it A, Gail Simone, B, Jim Lee, or C, John Krasinski? Definitely A. A, Gail Simone. You are correct. (laughs) 25 free dollars, sir. Congratulations. All right. Now, you may not know this, but Pete runs a sub-quiz inside of his quiz that always ties into, well, seemingly ties into some sort of uh, deceased comedian. Yeah. Is that a fair way of putting it? Robin Williams. Currently, Robin Williams going down Mm -hmm. the IMDB of Robin Williams for... Some reason that has yet to be disclosed. Hey, we, uh, had, a, we had a moment of silence for St. Mark's. You know, I'm just trying to have a you know a little little shouty for for my boy Robin Williams. Sure, uh, having <laughs> having a shout out for a comic book shop on our comic book show maybe makes sense. Mm-hmm. He's a comic. No, <laughs> I got to go back in time and explain a lot of stuff to you, Pete. Yeah. <laughs> So your third answer is there is Mandy Moore and John Krasinski. What was the second one? M- Mindy Kaling. Mindy yeah. Kaling. Anybody know what Robin Williams movie that Pete is referring to? Anybody? Nope. RV? Nope. Is it an animated movie? Nope. It's a live action movie. That's right. He plays a priest who marries people. Like he gets married to them, or he no. licensed to wed, licensed to wed. You're, uh, you're saying that as if we all know what that movie oh, is. Oh man, come on, people! Jeez, classic movie, licensed to wed, yeah. where as we all know, he is a priest who yeah. marries people. Yeah, Mindy Kaling's in that. Yeah, John Krasinski. Mandy Moore. Those are three of the people. Everybody knows. I don't need to go on about any more details. (laughs) We all know. (laughs) Fun stuff. Hey, what are you looking forward to? uh... As we all know, tomorrow is New Comic Book Day. We recommend you go to Midtown Comics because they've been nice enough to sponsor the show. Pete, what are you looking forward to? Oh, thanks for asking. I am looking forward to... Well, first off, there is the... (laughs) Hold on. I'm sorry. You teed me up for that, and then you were not ready at all. I am ready. Uh, It's the 15th anniversary of Hackslash, and they're doing a special one-shot. Oh, great. Do you want to describe what Hackslash is for those who don't know? Nope. You should check it out. Uh, (laughs) Deadly Class uh, number 42 I'm also looking forward to. Anything you want to say further about that? No, it's pretty cool, though. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) 
Hackslash is about a girl named Cassie Hack, who was originally the last survivor. She was the final girl of a serial slasher attack. She ends up teaming up with this guy named Vlad, who's a big monster himself, and they hunt down other slashers. So it's super a lot of fun. One of our favorite books here on the Comic Book Club talk show. (laughs) I don't know why that came out like that. Deadly Classes by uh, Rick Remender. It is a book about a school for assassins. It was recently a TV show that was untimely canceled, but in the wake of that, the book has actually, I think, gotten better and more focused as they brought everybody back to the assassin school and really focused it up a lot again. So it's very cool. Uh, I'm looking forward to X-Force number three is coming out from Marvel Comics. The X-Men books across the board have been so fascinating, so interesting to read. This is a creepy book, man. Well, this one is the extreme X-Men. They discovered at the end of the last issue that a group of Reavers who are people who are attacking mutants, they used to build their bodies out of machines. Now they build their bodies out of other human parts. So they have weapons, but they're all built out of bone and flesh and other things. And the big reveal at the end of the last issue, which is really fucked up, is uh, Wolverine and Quentin Quire discovered that Domino had been flayed alive. Horrifying, horrifying stuff, yeah. but exactly what you'd expect from an X Force book. Uh, and I'm really fascinated to see what they do next. Don't read it while you're trying to eat lunch, is my. <laughs> yeah, there sense. you go. Uh, we'll have a review of that at our Stack podcast that rolls out in the Comic Book Club feed and its own dedicated Stack feed tomorrow, uh, Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. 9 excuse me. Uh, Amit, what do you want to plug of yours? Um, well, check me out on Twitter, Sequential uh, Story. Uh, you can get all my books on Amazon or Comics or in comic book stores. So go and check out Yakuza Demon Killers and 13th Artifact. All right. Very cool. A couple of things we want to plug before we go. Beyond this, we do a couple of other podcasts, including Watchmen Watch, which is a Watchmen podcast that is rapidly coming towards its end. We will have uh, two more episodes, I think, of that, a recap and then a postcap where we kind of wrap up the whole season of the podcast, at least until they have a season two, which... I think it's going to happen at this point, right? Let's hope so, man. Yeah. Uh, Also, we do Riverdale After Dark, our Riverdale podcast, so check that out in its own feeds. Pete, what else do you want to plug? Friend us on Facebook so you get to know about the amazing guests we have on our live show. Follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Live, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and more. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice. A couple of people we want to thank before we go. We want to thank Amit for being on the yeah. show. Yeah. Boothman Prime. Prime. But most of all, we want to thank you all. We're here every Tuesday night at 8 p.m., totally free. Please tell your friends good night. Thanks for coming, everybody. Appreciate it. Don't